Yes, no, you won't need your Bibles tonight. We're going to have a presentation for a little while. I'm going to do my best to try and keep it down to time. Um, we can have the first slide if we could, please. And the next one. We're going to have a look tonight at a, a subject that's created a lot of interest in people. And people in all walks of life talk about the mark of the beast. And probably of all of the numbers in the New Testament, the number 666 is probably one of the best known numbers. The problem is that uh, it's a mystery to people. They don't know what it stands for, what it means. They don't understand that uh, in the Bible there is a lot to do with numbers. But also, of course, the fact in their mind is that they want to find the answer to a mystery. And that's what they're looking at when they look at 666. And you can go to many places uh, around the world and, and you'll see the 666 sign, right, particularly through Europe from ancient times. And it is significant in that in the Bible, the Bible is a, a book of numbers as well. We know that the, in the Greek and in the Hebrew, uh, that the alphabetical letters have numerical values. It was discovered by a, a Russian mathematician called uh, Ivan Panin. Uh, who set out to disprove the Bible and became convinced there was no other book like the Bible because of the mathematical perfection that was in that particular book. By superimposing a letter for every, uh, uh, sorry, a number for every letter. And so, just to mention briefly, in the, uh, the study of the Bible numerics, that the name of Jesus, Iusu, Iusus in the Greek, numerically adds up to eight Eight, eight, and of course uh, you know, we read about the eight souls that were saved after the flood. It's got a significance because it, it is a number that represents a new beginning. And of course, uh, when you have three together, eight, 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 that's the epitome of the number. The epitome of the number eight and the new beginning is Jesus Christ. That's his number of his name. But then there is this other number, the number six, six, six. And the number six in Bible numerics means uh, a man under sin. And so the epitome of that number is 666. And it represents a very sinful man in the eyes of God, which you haven't got time to look at tonight. The mark of the beast is uh, seen to create quite a, a deal of interest in people. But the one thing they forget to ask is, well, who is the beast? If it's a number and it relates to the beast, identify the one that it represents. And so we're going to look at this particular aspect of the mark of the beast tonight in so much as over the last few decades, it's come up as uh, represented by bank cards with a B on it and three shades. It's tattoos on the back of the hand. It's been barcodes. It's been silicon chips. And now it's got a new meaning. The COVID-19 vaccine shot is the mark of the beast. And you can look on the internet and you can call up the mark of the beast and you'll find a whole ream of things relating different aspects of people's idea of what the mark of the beast is really all about. You got something for me? Thanks, Johnny. Right. Okay. So 
when we have a look at the, the idea behind it as far as uh, the current events are concerned, uh, that the vaccines and the, the use of the mask is all tied up with the mark of the beast. And that the vaccine itself is the mark of the beast and even the ID code, the passport code of the ID by some people's minds is also the mark of the beast. And so we find that a lack of uh, trust is really built up around the world with all the, the theories of, of, uh, of the ideas of, of the fact that there are conspiracies going on. And so uh, when they look at the mark of the beast, they say, well, the government is the beast and that the, uh, the vaccine itself is the mark of the beast. And uh, there's also a, a false rumour being generated for some time that they're building into the vaccine an identity code for everyone that's immunised that they'll be able to tell their number by that particular code. But if we look at the reality, how many decades has vaccines been available and saved millions and millions of lives? And they want to try and make something out of this particular subject. So we want to look at what the real reality is. Relating to the mark of the beast is a reference here, as it says in one article, to the apocalypse. will uh, come into, the, into being and will test Christians by asking them to put a mark on their body. And uh, they would then go on to say that if you do allow this mark to go onto your body, then it signals the fact that you have no faith in God. So there's quite a diverse opinion of people of what it is all about. In fact, just recently in Finland, a man has discovered a, a way of making a microchip uh, on silicon chip and putting in a tiniest little capsule with your passcode on for your vaccine so that you can have uh, that inserted in your arm as he's suggesting or somewhere so that you don't need to carry your phone you've got your barcode there on the silicon chip so it's quite diverse but the reality is that the mark of the beast it's uh, something that is quite false when you look at this reality if we can have sorry we've got the wrong slide there okay we'll go on again all right we know very clearly if we look in the book of revelations and then in, to the book of daniel in particular that daniel was given these vision of four beasts earlier on nebuchadnezzar uh, had the vision of the man standing upon his feet with the various parts of the body indicated of a particular empire. So we know that when he then, later on, there was the, the four beasts that rise up in chapter 7 and described in chapter 8 of the book of Daniel, that the very last beast was different from all of the others. The beast was dreadful to look at and had... Uh, uh, teeth of iron and so on as it describes here in the book of Daniel a lot of significance uh, comes out of that but it represented the fourth empire the, f the first empire was Babylon itself the hit of gold and then there was the the, the Medo-Persian empire that ruled the world that then was then the uh, um, after that was the Grecian empire and then the amazing strong iron kingdom and that was Rome however in the image that not only was it had legs of iron 
But when it got to the feet, it was a mixture of iron and clay. And what I want to point out very clearly is that the fourth beast is still in existence, but in a different form to what the Imperial Rome was. And this is what we've always preached in our Revival Fellowship. I can remember right back uh, uh, some uh, 50 years ago listening to Pastor Jack Clay, uh, who's one of our original pastors, very strong on Bible prophecy, and he preached this message, and he said it is the truth of the Word of God, and we're still preaching it today because it is still the truth of the Word of God. And he used to go through all these aspects and went into a lot of detail about it all. But what we read through history is that, of course, the Roman Empire fell. And we haven't got time to go into all the detail of it, but Roman Empire fell and it changed to a new position, if you like to use such a term. The Bible describes it as the beast that was, that was not, because of the Imperial Rome was destroyed as such, and yet is. And simply putting it is that Imperial pagan Rome became papal Rome. That's what the Bible is bringing out very, very clearly. And, we, and the number of toes represented the provinces that were ruled over by the Roman Empire. But the fourth beast is Rome. And finally, the latter part of it, that is the healing of the wound of Imperial Rome, is the papal Roman system. So around about 480, the Western section of the Roman Empire did rule over 10 kingdoms, as was described in relating to the toes. Later on, three of them did leave and went on their own. But the reality is that Rome was divided. Rome was divided into two sections. There was the eastern section at Constantinople, where Turkey is today, and Constantinople was actually called New Rome. And then back in Italy, in Rome itself, there was the Latin man. Latinos man and the man as we are going to see in a moment called Focus who was ruling over there in, um, uh, in Constantinople abdicated his right over the Eastern Empire of Rome and wanted Rome to be one again and in 606 AD the man called Boniface and he became the first Pope of the Imperial Roman Empire and the moment he did that, he took on the ancient name of Rome as a leader, the name of Caesar. Pontifus Maximus was the name that the Pope gave himself. And he becomes the fourth beast in a different form. But covered by this impression of a woman system that is a queen of heaven. It's a very amazing story of the whole thing. So here's a mention I mentioned a moment ago that in 606, Focus of Constantinople abdicated in, in favour of Boniface. The Roman Empire became one again and under the papal rule. So the Latin man becomes Pontifus Maximus. And uh, this, of course, is a, a very important date because it covers the period of 42 weeks in Revelation chapter 11 or the 42 months, 1260 years, until it loses its power in the Christendom because of the rise of the Reformation 
and the Protestant or the protesting movement against Rome. They ruled Christendom. No one was allowed to read their Bible. The Bibles were chained to the pulpits in the churches and the only one allowed to read the Bible were the priests or the, or the people leading the Catholic services and they're the only ones allowed to interpret the Bible until along came the reformers and particularly people like Latimer and Ridley and Huss and so on and Martin Luther. They took the word of God to the people and things opened up and became very, very different. And so it was diverse. It was different from what there'd been before in the, the empires that had ruled the world. But the reality is today that this Roman Empire rules Christendom still in the general sense of the word. And this is what we see here, uh, that the fourth beast is going to be different from all the others. And the comment that was made by one of the popes said that Rome was great under Caesar, now she is greater. Alexander VI wrote, the former was a man, now this one is God. And that's why the Bible talks about of a man that sits upon a throne saying or acting as is, he is God. And that's what underneath they truly want everybody to believe that this is a very pious religious system. And so the Pope himself, because Jesus Christ returned to heaven after his uh, resurrection and we know he sent the Holy Spirit in the day of Pentecost, we've been wonderfully hearing the testimonies of people that have been born again. But the reality is that the Pope saw an opportunity to take the place of Jesus Christ. And so in his book called uh, um, uh, Come Crossing the Threshold of Hope, John Paul II wrote that the Pope is considered the man on earth who represents the Son of God, who takes the place of the second person of the omnipotent God of the Trinity, the second person being Jesus Christ. The Pope takes his place. Very presumptuous statement to make, but they say it and they don't fear because they know that's the way that people look at it. We also know, of course, that uh, the ancient symbol of Rome was a lion with eagle's wings. And in Revelation chapter 17, it talks about mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots. Talking of those that commit spiritually adultery and here is coins Roman coins struck showing the Pope in the middle standing there with a lion with eagle's wings they're very clear marks of identification if one has to look into the subject itself but let's get down to this idea of the mark of the beast we want to establish first that the beast in the book of Revelation is the Pope or the papal system of Rome Verse 18 of chapter 13 says, Here is wisdom. He that hath faith and uh, hath understanding, count the number of the beast. And we've identified who we believe that the beast is. But it clearly tells it, for it is the number of a man. It's not a government, it's nothing like that. It is the number of a man and his number is 603 score and six, or 666. If you look at the Amplified Bible, it puts it even a little bit clearer in a way. 
It says, here is room for discernment, a call for the wisdom of uh, interpretation. Let anyone who has intelligence, penetration and insight enough calculate the number of the beast, for it is a human number, and the number of a certain or a particular man. Six. So the mark of the beast has to relate to the man that has a number 666. We know that the Pope himself, I mean, just, just giving very little comment about each of these things because there's so much more we could talk about. Uh, there we find that the Pope there back uh, in, in 1959 was wearing uh, this... Uh, in uh, in Rigo crown and it's actually made of a crown that has three curves to the top and the significance of that particular crown sitting on the head of the Pope is that he is the king of heaven he's the king of earth and he's king of the regions and the regions means hell he claims that he rules over all the dominions in a spiritual way They used to refer to him as the Latin man in early days. In the Greek, it is the word Latinos, or Latinos. And if you use ancient Greek for the word Latinos, it comes exactly to 666. But that's not the main identifying way of looking at it. For many years, but it's not, doesn't happen today, they've taken it off. Inside this papal mitre was inscribed a title of this man that he gave himself or the system gave him. That's the papal mitre. If you look at it on the side, it's like a, a mouth of a fish. It actually relates in pagan side to Dagon, the fish god. Inside it was inscribed certain words. And here they are, the words were there. The letters inscribed inside the Pope's mitre is Vicarus Filidae. <coughs> Excuse me, the vicar of the Son of God is what it really means in English. Papacy holds that the church, which is a visible society, must have a visible head. Before the, his ascension into heaven, or Christ before his ascension to heaven, appointed St. Peter to act as his representative and hence he is the Bishop of Rome, the head of the church and that was given to the vicar or the vice captain of Christ. So this is why they've taken this title. Remember he is the second person in the Godhead according to their beliefs. If you look up the meaning of the Parathfili die using the letters that relate to the
chapter 13. The word mark in the, the Greek from Revelation chapter uh, 13 comes from the word karagma, might be quite the way they say it in the Greek, but it means to stamp. That's what the literal meaning is. To stamp in a way of giving service to something. And so to receive a mark literally means to give themselves a mark. People give themselves a mark when they identify with or are part of the system of Rome. The followers of the beast, they give themselves a mark as a sign in two ways. It says in their forehead is when their devotion is to the system. And how many times do you hear people say, I am born a Catholic, I die a Catholic? Because that's their devotion. It's in their thinking, their understanding. The other is when they work for the system, it then points out that the mark is in their right hand. The right hand is the strength arm, right through the Bible. So, in other words, people that align themselves up with the system of the beast give themselves a stamp or a mark when they identify themselves with the system in their devotion or in their labour for the system. Zondervan's Biblical Encyclopedia states that the mark is symbolical. To receive it, this will be a sign of submission to him or to the beast. It's a mark of loyalty and worship. And if you ever see the way that people do look to the man that is identified through the scriptures, they look to him like he is God. Just a final couple of points. In the book of Revelation, straight after talking about the mark of the beast and 666 and the beast identification, the first verse in chapter 14 says, there's others that have got an identification mark and they're the sons and the daughters of the living God. And John writes in his vision, I looked and lo, a lamb stood on Mount Zion, Jerusalem, Mount Zion to come. And with him was 144,000, 12 tribes, 12,000 in Bible numerics, which represents the perfect government that will rule with Jesus Christ. And they're having his father's name written in their foreheads. We are sons and daughters of the living God, symbolically. And so this is the mark that we have. This is the mark that anyone that wants to be in the kingdom of God must have. Jesus said, you must be born again to see and enter into the kingdom of God. And it says, I heard another voice out of heaven saying, come out of her, my people. Chapter 18 is the chapter on the destruction of the eternal city of Rome. In one day and one hour, the city is going to be destroyed. And here the Lord is saying that in that system are some of his people that are sealed with the seal of the Holy Ghost in their foreheads. But if they stay in the system, they'll cop the plagues that will come upon that system. There's only one way to go. Worship the God that you know that proves himself with signs and wonders. And all the people said, Amen.
Leave it there.